We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking adapting to different scoring methods and league settings on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners here at Rotoviz, back for another solo episode. I'm not exactly sure how long tonight's episode is going to go. I'm actually planning on recording this episode and then another podcast that I'm expecting to be a 15 or 20 minute or addressing another uh, question that I get asked. Um, so to kind of get an extra episode out there this week, have a little bit more content, make up for some of the episodes that we missed earlier on in the summer. Before we get into today's topics, though, I have an FFPC stat attack for you. And this comes courtesy of the Rotoviz <clears throat> Stealing Signals tool. Uh, you've likely heard of Ben Gretsch. Uh, who started off at Rotoviz has been various places now has a tremendous stealing signals newsletter um, that he puts out and it's got some of the best insights in all of the industry. Of course, you probably know Ben from the stealing bananas podcast uh, and likely his work at Rotoviz. So there's a couple of key stats that Ben focuses in on heavily during the season in his stealing signals article. Uh, so we put together a tool that highlights some of these and gives everything that you need to find on a player um, in a nice and easy place to find it. And the thing that I want to highlight here uh, is a stat called high value touches and in particular percentage of team high value touches. Um, and if you hear us talking about any of these measures, we have a glossary in the tool on the site. Um, that can help break down some of these measures because I'm sure we'll be referencing them some more throughout the summer and definitely during the season. Uh, but high value touches are green zone touches plus receptions. What's a green zone touch? A green zone touch is a touch occurring inside the opponent's 10 yard line. So when you add in touches in the 10 yard line and receptions, you get touchdown potential and pass catching upside built into that metric and obviously 
those two things, pass catching upside, touchdown potential are huge in PPR scoring. So we can look at these in total to get a sense of how many of these opportunities a player really is getting. Last year, top five running backs, you had Ronald Jones, or excuse me, I was sorting on team running back high value touches. So you had Tampa Bay, the Chargers, surprisingly, uh, the Commanders and the Packers, the Colts, and the Patriots producing a lot of high-value touches. Um, in terms of individual player high-value touches, though, Austin Eckler led the way with 95, followed by Leonard Fournette with 94, Najee Harris at 91, Jonathan Taylor at 81. Then you drop down to Josh Jacobs at 75. So Harris, Fournette, and Eckler, wow. They had a lot of opportunity last year. And then if you look at percentage of team high-value touches, Najee Harris controlled 95% of Pittsburgh's high-value touches for the running back position. Also, um, really distanced himself from the pack. Alvin Kamara was the closest player with just 79%. Uh, He had a total of 64. But I wanted to bring this up because I have seen it talked about a knock on Najee Harris is that he wasn't efficient last year and the amount of volume that it took to get him there uh, to the scoring that he produced. And I think this is one of those things that's really interesting in fantasy. Um, You can choose to reward a player for having tremendous opportunity, which we know is important, or you can choose to focus on the negative side of the equation, which is their lack of efficiency. And I can understand both sides of the argument. I think as it relates to Harris, to me, the expectation of being able to have such a tremendous workload and getting a high percentage and also leading to a high number of high value type touches, um, I think is very valuable. So for me, that does put him a little bit behind the Jonathan Taylors of the world, but I have no trouble slating him in perhaps right after Derrick Henry in the same spot with guys like Austin Eckler um, and any other player that you might group into that tier, maybe a Joe Mixon. Now, I know that Curtis, and we both liked Harris last year, might not be quite as sold as I am, but I think it's worthwhile to bring up this metric from last year. Um, And I think that we'll be talking more about high value touches and backfields in more uh, depth as we get some more news from camp on some of these situations that are kind of nebulous at the moment. Anyway, that was today's FFPC stat attack. A reminder, go out to my FFPC.com, sign up for the main event, the best contest in all of the fantasy industry. Also, check out all of the Dynasty Leagues they have that never, ever fold. And, of course, the Rotoviz Triflex Leagues. Okay, so for today's topics, I wanted to focus on a very common question that we get asked. And this question generally has two directions that it goes. Well, 
maybe one of those branches has two parts to it. But ultimately, the key question we get is, I just signed up for a new league. How do I go about preparing for it? Or this league's a half PPR league and I've only played in PPR. How do I make that adjustment or vice versa? And then another common one is my league is awarding bonus points when a player does X or Y or Z. So high level, how you should think about a new league is you need to figure out the things that really matter and go from there. And we'll get into some of the actual specifics of how that plays out later. But obviously, and forgive me if you're somebody that has been with the site or the podcast for a while, these are going to be probably redundant uh, conversations, but that's fine. So the first thing you're looking at, obviously, after the scoring system is the number of players that you can play at each position. You know that at Rotoviz, we are big proponents of structural drafting which means that you're building out your team and allocating draft picks to the various positions in a way that is aiming to optimize your potential in that league. So you're not just willy-nilly loading players onto your roster. You're thinking about the positions that you're going to want to have a lot of resources for and when you're getting those resources and you're thinking through some of the trade-offs between going from one position or prioritizing it over a number over another and when you go for that position at what points in the draft you do it so one of the reasons this is so key as we talk about is there's this idea of the race to win the flex so if you're in a league where you start two running backs, two wide receiver, and two flex. You need to think about that league very different than a league where maybe there isn't a flex, for example, because that's going to change how you attack positions. Um, or if you're in a league where you start two running backs but three wide receivers and there's two flex, you would think about that very differently because you know heading into your draft, you're likely going to need more resources at wide receiver inherently if you play more and then if it's a league that has scoring that's amenable to lower level wide receivers in contrast to lower level running backs so these are things that go into how you think about it um, and I can't give a blanket approach here but what you need to do is think about the type of players that are even going to be available in your draft as you're working through your draft what the quality is going to look like at those positions at different points now, one of the tools that we have that's super helpful for this is the Win the Flex app. And a very common question that we get is somebody asking about that change from PPR to half PPR in relation to rankings. At points in the site's history, we have had ranking sets uh, for redraft leagues, for example, that have spanned different scoring formats. At this point, PPR has really taken off. We've always been a PPR site. It's so popular that that is our base redraft projection. And we don't really feel that we need to make an adjustment for half PPR scoring because there is going to be such immaterial movement between how we would rank players within each position that it's really not worth it because you can use those positional ranks to make adjustments that you might need. And in a half PPR league, very honestly, even overall rankings aren't going to change very much. Now, 
one way that you could contextualize this or visualize this is go into our Win the Flex app. And in this app, you can pick ADP from a variety of years and you can choose different scoring settings and you can look at the average output from players by position at various points in the draft. And what you'll see is when you look at PPR, pretty much even in the initial picks of the draft with ADP brought in from let's do 2020, 2019, 2018, and 2017. We'll look at PPR and FFPC leagues. What you see is that really with just the first, maybe two or three picks running backs have been scoring better on average than wide receivers. After that point, it's wide receivers by a decent margin in every single spot of the draft going above running backs. Tight ends are always below wide receivers. They actually, though, go from being underneath by a substantial margin under running back to closing the gap and somewhere around pick uh, maybe like 85 to 90, you actually see tight ends begin to score for a section of time higher than running backs being drafted there. Um, obviously it'd be more useful if you could visualize this, but I'm going to give you the takeaway here. If I flip off of PPR and I just go to half PPR, we'll pull in the same range. We'll use FFPC leagues. What you see here is that early on in the draft up to maybe about pick 20 running backs do outscore wide receivers. After that, the gap is closed, but wide receivers still keep that value over running back tight ends never cross over running back so how you adjust for this in your mind using information like that is you realize that if you're in a half ppr league the prioritization of those top level running backs would increase um if you were approaching your draft from the standpoint that I would say is in a vacuum that's not considering the number of players that you can start at each position. But the cool thing is in the win the flex tool, you can actually play around with the starting lineup requirements. Um, and there's some things that the tool will do for you, like give you baselines, value equity. This is stuff you would have to go in and look at. Um, but the takeaway here is by and large, if you're looking at a half PPR league, um, you just prioritize those top-level running backs a little bit more. Um, or if you're not prioritizing the top-level running backs a little bit more, um, you're realizing that the value between wide receiver and running back is still holding pretty tight throughout the whole draft, favoring wide receivers. Um, so you don't need to feel like, even though it's not full PPR, you have to go after running back over wide receiver um, again our rankings would look very similar and a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, with the way the scoring has been falling out recently you just really don't need to make um, radical adjustments um, especially if the type of roster settings allow you to have a lot of wide receivers um and there's not any other positional requirements that would change the way you have to look at uh, the various positions. But 
I think the thing to focus on here, if these are all new concepts to you, is that in my opinion, the number of players you're playing at each position and the number of flex players you can have often drives how you should approach that draft more so than just the scoring. Now, I will say in standard leagues, things do shift. Um, and let's just take a look at that because some of you might be interested in that. So we're going to look at 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021. Um, we will look at FFPC leagues. And what you see here is that running backs stay ahead of wide receivers up until around pick like 140. So I think that's something to keep in mind. In a standard league, you might be better off trying to get some running backs into your flex. Um, you're probably going to want to make sure that you have solid firepower at running back. Um, so that, I think, answers some of the queries that we normally get. Um, that's just kind of like high level, some of the things that you can do to think about. The other way, if you don't have access to our tools, for example, and you're trying to think about it, just look at some of the best players from last season. Go back, look at their game logs, and think about how some of those changes would have impacted their scoring each week. And then look at a couple players from each position um, from the last year and see how they would have fared differently and then compare that to players of a similar tier but from different positions and just get a sense of what those changes look like. Often you'll find that things aren't really radically different. Um, and, and that's with you know some scoring tweaks that you might have. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, so a question that I get asked a lot too is about milestone bonuses or maybe something where somebody says, my league is going to start giving a 10-point bonus for situations where a receiver scores a touchdown that's gone more than 50 yards. Uh, so one way you can look this up on Rotoviz is to go into the Rotoviz screen where you can pretty much do everything. Um, and let's just look at 2021. So I'll set a filter to just be on 2021. Um, in my play-by-play -play query one, for those of you that want to recreate this, I can set a display of variable to receiving touchdowns. I'll set that in play-by-play -play query two, but in play-by-play -play query two, I'll also filter the tool so that it only gives us um, receiving touchdowns where the yards gained were 50 or more. And I like doing this exercise because what you find is often 
these plays that get baked into leagues um, where you get big bonuses for big plays do not actually factor in that much because they don't happen that often. So in 2021, Cooper Cup, we all know, scored 15 touchdowns. One of those came on a play of more than 50 yards. Um, other players, Dawson Knox had one. Justin Jefferson had one. Tyreek Hill had one. Mike Williams had two. Debo Samuel had two. KJ Osborne actually had two. Van Jefferson, Tyler Lockett had three. The only player other noteworthy here that put up more than three, uh, you did have Jamar Chase scoring five touchdowns more than 50 yards. But what I bring this up for is to point out that trying to plan for something like this in a draft is very hard. A lot of the players that did this one time or even two times are random players like Donovan Peoples-Jones, right? Tyler Boyd, you might not have expected. You're not going to be drafting somebody like, uh, you know, CJ Zoma expecting to get this bonus or Matt Collins uh, or Freddie Swain. Now, an interesting thing we can do, too, is if I look at this for 2020, we can see how many players did this uh, consecutively year over year. Because the other thing that I tell people is not only do you need to make sure that this scoring wrinkle happens enough that it actually impacts things, but is it something that you can predict year over year? And this is a trap that a lot of people still fall into in fantasy football is explaining relationships from prior years or finding things that occurred in prior years and extrapolating those to upcoming years, even if they don't have any predictive value. So I see a lot of people putting a lot of effort into exercises that aren't going to be worthwhile because the information you obtain from them cannot be carried forward to the next year. Now in a game like, you know, fantasy football, I think that's inherently going to happen given the number of games in the season and some data points that are really hard to separate between which players on the team were responsible for them. Uh, but after running this query, we can see that in 2020, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling put up three hit one time the next year. Tyreek Hill went from two to one AJ Brown, two to one. Um, every other player that had two put up zero, except for Jalen Guyton, who went from two to one. Beyond that, I can tell you most of the players that achieved that in 2020 failed to do it in the coming year. And again, we probably have about only 30 players that actually scored a touchdown of 50 or more yards. And that's the receiving touchdown that's looking at running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. So that would be a hard thing to plan for. Now, you could come back and say, all right, well, maybe my league's doing it like 40 or more. We can search the database for that. And let's see what we get. Now, I know that some leagues will do something like games over 300 yards, uh, more than 100 receiving yard games. So an easy way, we don't have to do this on the episode. Obviously, you can just find game logs anywhere. Look at it for some of the better players in the league. See how often they're doing it. And then the real question that you would have to ask yourself is, do any of these top-level players really achieve this milestone that much more than other players? And if I go back a couple of years and look at those game logs, is this really happening that much um, to the same players? Because you have to see if this is stuff that's repeatable year over year. Now, if we drop this to 40, um, 
our results don't really change that much in looking at things year over year. Obviously, you're going to see a couple more instances of it, but I can tell you in 2020, Tyreek Hill, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, A.J. Brown, Nelson Aguilar, and Will Fuller were the only players to record more than two occurrences of this. So trying to build something like this in or account for a bonus like this um, in your preseason planning might not be the best use of your time. Now, let's say we want to look at runs. Let's do runs of 40 or more or rushing touchdowns. And then we will close off by looking up because I know sometimes it's just plays and they don't have to be um, touchdowns. So let me put in rushing touchdowns here. Let's run this query. So rushing touchdowns uh, of more than, what did I set it at? 40 yards in 2020. Miles Sanders did it three times, followed up with a zero. Derek Henry and Jonathan Taylor did do that two times in 2020 and two times in 2021. Other than that, the only other players to achieve it, Aaron Jones went two and 20, zero in 21. Tony Pollard did it twice, followed up with one. After that, not many players are doing it. Not many players are repeating it. And it would not be the type of thing that you would try to factor in. Now, you might wonder how many players even recorded rushes of 50 or more yards. Let's quickly look that up. I would toggle off of rushing touchdowns and I could just do rushing attempts is how you would do that in the screener. So it really is amazing all of the different things that you can do in the screener and different ways you can filter, stratify things out. My expectation is you're going to see fewer occurrences of this than you would likely expect. So rushing attempts that went for more than 50 yards. And you might guess if a run goes for more than 50 yards, it's probably going to end in a touchdown. So we don't see much very different here. You have Aaron Jones at three and 20 Miles Sanders at three, Derek Henry at two Montgomery at two Taylor at two Nick Chubb at two. That is it. Um, and then last season, the only players to do it, uh, Taylor Henry and Chubb. So they are the guys that tend to repeat with that. But really, those are the guys that you're going to be drafting in a spot where having this information is probably not going to shift things that much for you. So very long-winded way of getting at that most of these bonuses um, like that don't matter. And I use those because most commonly, those are the type of questions that I get, likely because they're data points that are harder for people to uh, gather on their own. So I hope this helps out anybody that uh, is making a league change this year, perhaps hasn't been following along with sites like us for a while now, or you might have gotten some advice on this before. And I hope this gives you a good jumping off point to start thinking about your leagues that you might be entering or leagues that you're in that are going to have some changes. Obviously, if you have any questions on that, Curtis and I love these type of questions. So please send them our way. All of the ways that you can reach us, you are about to hear right now. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.